Hey everyone, it's me, Dr. Z with JB. Today we're gonna to be talking about therapy. What is therapy? How do I know if I need therapy? How do I find therapy? And how do I know if I have a therapist that's the right fit for me? JB discusses his experiences with therapy from the other side of the couch. For more info on therapy and anything psychology related, visit me at my website, drjamiezuckerman.com or my Instagram page at drz underscore psychologist. From Last Now Media Studios, and of course with Dr. Z, it is it's me with Dr. Z, session two, and uh, glad that everybody is uh, here with us tonight because we got a lot to get into, and I think for uh, a really good topic tonight, Dr. Z, how are we doing this evening? <laughs> <I'm> great, <laughs> fantastic, yes. We we saw some. Um, uh, we we already have our first blooper reel, so the we yeah, do, yeah. No, I'm, I'm doing I'm doing great. Thank you. How are you? <laughs> I'm, doing, I'm, I'm in a full dad costume, by the way. I, uh-huh. I, I I don't know what day it is. I uh, I actually like slept most of the afternoon and, and didn't realize what time it was when I woke up. Uh, Flip flops, red shorts, hoodie, uh, green hat, the whole thing. Like I walk into a grocery store and I probably look like a goblin. So that's 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 how my weekend is going. How's you're, your weekend going? You're you're allowed a new baby. You're you're, you're allowed. I, I still don't know what day. I don't know what day it is. Yeah. I never know it. I don't know what day it is. I don't think it that. matters what it doesn't matter what day it is anymore. I think yes. we, we we gave that up, and I think we're okay with that. Yes, uh, we did. We did give that up. Uh, <laughs> what um, what uh, anything uh, this week that. Uh, I don't know. I just was was going off of our last conversation. If you certainly haven't heard the debut, go and check that out. Kind of sets the premise for why we started doing all this stuff together. But um, it's uh, I always I just started thinking on my ride home and like the first few times I had anxiety, like and I forgot when they started because of what you said and like, oh yeah, uh, you know, last week we were talking about. ADHD and how that was overdiagnosed for a lot of mm-hmm. probably people that were you know that millennial Gen X uh, range of getting yes. stim- uh, stimulus uh, uh, you know put into our body and be like hey this isn't working. Um, right. It was I never ate lunch in fifth grade uh, because I had moved to a different place and for some reason I was completely embarrassed. I would mm-hmm. be eating in front of people and I just yes. like refused to do it and. Yes. and no one really questioned it. And they just yeah. like, it's just kind of like, oh, okay, sure. Because they probably looked at you as as shy, you know, yeah, or, or whatever just it was. quiet. But, you know, food is actually one of those things that is, uh, it's one of the few things that we can control, right? So anything kind of centered around food can cause a lot of anxiety and, you know, a lot of control issues. So that makes a lot of sense. Yep, yep. And you're just going like, okay, now we can now we can follow this other path and be like, oh, where did that lead us to in life? And mm-hmm. it was like really opening up a lot of stuff. So again, you know, just in, in one little session, opening up my brain towards uh, towards uh, getting getting solving this thing, which is which is good. Cool. Uh, tonight we wanted to get into kind living of with, living, with, living, living with, not solving, living with. Yes, yeah, living don't, with. Don't pay attention to my exact <laughs> little words. I'm, I'm to the road to feeling better each day. That's what I should start. Yes, uh, exactly. Uh, start saying. Um, and to do that, obviously, um, it it uh, in my experience, I, it, it takes a lot of finding the right therapist to do that, uh, the right amount of support to go and do that. Um, mm-hmm. And that's uh, a lot of it's going to be centered around like what, when, when can and when should you go to a therapist? And uh, certainly on, on my side, I have a lot of questions just in terms of like, how do you know you're at the right 
ones? Like, are you? Mm-hmm. Yeah, how do you know this person's benefiting you that you're paying money to, and so on and so on, and the the access issues and things like that. Uh, but I, let let's start with when is the right time to go to therapy? How do you know when to go? So. My answer is actually going to be backwards of what you may think. So first of all, there's never the right time to go to therapy. Anybody can go to therapy at any point in time. And to be honest with you, it's, it's, it's actually better to go to therapy when you're not in crisis, to go to therapy when you're not extremely anxious or extremely depressed, even though, yes, go, obviously. But the best time to actually go to therapy is when you're feeling okay because that's when you are more likely to be able to focus, take in information, problem solve better, um, try new things, you know, feel a little bit kind of freer, not as much, um, you know, stuff taking. We talked about the pizza, right? Not as many slices taken up. Um, so the best time to go to therapy is when you actually feel okay. And this is why I tell people when they're doing better, you know, they say, I don't think I need to come in anymore. And, I, you know, I'll, I'll say, well, here's why I think you should. Um, and sometimes maybe every other week or something like that, or, you know, what I like call booster sessions where they come in every three weeks or something like that. But, um, that's the quote best time probably to come to therapy. Then I'll speak honestly then, because if I'm feeling good, I never would think to go to a therapist. Like, correct. So, so because we stigma, we stigmatize mental health. We look at it as almost like reactive, you know, we don't look at it as preventative medicine. Right. So, you know, we go to our doctors for checkups. We don't wait until something's wrong. Right. We'll still go. Something's wrong. But we go annually to the dentist. Do you know, I go to the neurologist because I get migraines. I go every year, you know, my primary care doctor. Honestly, I really think therapy should be the same way. It's just it's it's looked at as reactive and not preventative. And people don't think to go when they're feeling good because of that stigma against mental health. that it's only when you're feeling really bad. Yeah, and Rashawn just saying she, you know, she recommends it going three times a week in here, and <laughs> and uh, I, I, yeah, I'm I'm totally down. I would love to be able to do that, but what is in that <sighs> case? I don't agree with that. Oh, don't agree. Okay, well, no. Let's get back to that in one second. Okay. Because sorry, Shonda. Uh, no, <laughs> no, I, I want to know why. Uh, but um, I, I guess if I'm feeling good. And in my mind, I need a goal in in therapy. If I'm going to have a session like, okay, I want to learn about this or ask about this or, you know, so what should I do if I'm feeling good? And what do you recommend then me heading into in terms of I'm feeling good, but I still therapy is still recommended. So what what am I I there for? What am I talking about? So I always will get people every now and then that will, you know, will be, I wasn't going to come in today because I I don't really have anything to talk about. 100% of the time (laughs) we, it goes to something because here's the thing, right? Like what's the definition of fine? I I mean, I don't, right. It's like, it's so arbitrary. So there's always things to work on. There's always things you can do to, um, I don't like saying better yourself because it's that gives the wrong message, but there's always things that you can do to Is that because it sounds like I, a life coach. Is that why <laughs> better yourself? <laughs> I said it. I said, I'm just, no. I, I know, I know because bettering yourself suggests that where you're at is not okay. Ah, okay. And, right. and I just, I don't like using that as a baseline. Right. So I think it's important. 
I think it's important to. Um, <laughs> Sorry. I think it's, imp- <laughs> it's my fault. I did it. <laughs> okay. All right. So I think it's important to go when you feel good, not to better yourself, but to learn how to manage things that should come up because everybody knows you have a difficult person in your life that you're never going to be able to get rid of, right? Everybody knows you're going to have difficult situations, maybe at work. And so it's not so much when it happens, then I'll go. It's more of um, how do I on a day-to-day basis build boundaries? How should I respond when my birthday comes up in six months? You know, there's always something to talk about and therapy really is an ongoing process, Um, Unless you're coming in for an acute issue, like somebody passed away and, you know, you're devastated and depressed. So you go in for that. But other than that, it's an ongoing process. It doesn't really have an end. Um, I, uh, which the three. Yes. Yes. (laughs) Yes. Yes. And, but like for the three times a week, you have to, you have to be a little careful with that. And, And here's why, because oftentimes it sounds good in theory. Yes. And there are certain types of therapy where three times a week would be great, you know, depending on what the diagnosis is and what your needs are. But generally speaking, somebody is asking to come in three times a week, ongoing, chances are there's some sort of dependency issue or this fear they can't do it on their own unless they have that check-in. And that may be part of the larger issue, why they're attracting certain people that they do. Um, so, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I am a big believer in um, the therapist knowing when it's time to kind of start to space it out while keeping in mind if this person's coming in and they have kind of codependency issues or, um, you know, attachment issues that sometimes keeping them in therapy longer than they need to is detrimental. So you have to be really careful with that. Oh, interesting. Okay. I, uh, and thanks for everybody that were uh, chiming in there because we were good. This is why, this is why I keep asking questions and comments and things like that. Cause this is, this is what it's all about. I would have, I would have thought that was a, that's uh, mostly a positive thing going forward there. Um, I guess from my end, uh, and this is how do we know we've arrived with a good therapist? And this is, trust me, I, I'm, I'm sure that the, you are hearing this and, and being like, man, yep, I'm, I've, I, I'm with John because I've gone through five, ten, whatever the number ends up being. You know, the, you hear that story uh, a lot. I think personally, like, there's this. How do you identify? Because we're we're all new walking into this. I clearly thought, you know, three times sounds great. That's it. You know, like. We're, we're going on a lot of different things. So how do you know when you've arrived at a good therapist? How do you know you're getting good uh, guidance, advice, however you want to phrase that? What are, what are some good things to look for? So first, I always tell people that you must, must, must do your research. Ask other psychologists that you know that maybe you wouldn't go to who they recommend. Ask people that you feel kind of similar to or you have similar styles, ask them who they see. Um, because well, there's, the, there's a couple things. First is you want to find somebody that specializes in what you're coming in with. Not, you know, generally speaking, everybody who's a therapist treats anxiety and depression, but not everybody who's a therapist should be treating anxiety and depression. Um, you know, you have to know what, as a, as a psychologist, you have to know what you don't know. So there's certain things that I will always refer out for. Um, I, could I work with eating disorders? Sure. Will I work with eating disorders? 
No, because it's such a specialty and I will do them a disservice. Um, substance abuse. Could I work with someone with substance abuse issues? Absolutely. Will I? No, because there are trained specialists who do that. So when it comes to anxiety and depression, even though it's more mainstream, you really want to make sure the person you're going to specializes in your particular type of depression. There's different types of depression. There's different levels of severity. Um, there's different types of anxiety disorders. So severe OCD, even though I treat anxiety, I refer out for severe OCD. So you have to go to somebody who really understands what they're doing, what you're coming to them for. So psychologytoday.com is, is a resource where it lists tons of therapists, psychologists, social workers. And my advice to people always is if you're using that as a referral source, call them. Interview them as much as they're asking you questions. Um, you know, I'll have people that'll say, you know, before I set, schedule an evaluation with you, can I talk to you on the phone um, for a couple of minutes just to ask you a couple of questions? Sure, of course. Um, and, you know, you are not tied to any therapist just because you have an evaluation with them, nor am I tied to any patient. If I have an evaluation with them, I you can use it to refer them out. Um, the second piece of it is you, you have to make sure that you kind of fit with the therapist. You know, they could be the most amazing psychologist on the planet, but if your personalities don't fit, you know, that's an issue. I will caution though and say that sometimes if the patient doesn't like the therapist, you have to kind of ask yourself why that is. Are they making you look at things you really don't want to look at? And so it's easier just to say you don't like them. That was my next um, question. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 You know, or is it that you really just like just don't feel comfortable with them? But if you find that you've gone to a million therapists and you don't feel comfortable with any of them, chances are the issue more is with your level of, of comfort. Okay, um, so how to how do you get yeah. past that then? Because I know that there's, I mean, there's some family members that I think do that all the time. Yeah. Uh, so how do you? I mean, it's not a not that you would want to try and convince anybody, but how do you convince yourself like, oh, that's me? It's not. It's not everybody I'm talking to. That might be me. <laughs> So if you've found that you go to 10 therapists in a year, so if I get a phone call and I, you know, and, I'm, and I, they tell me that they've seen 10 therapists in the past year, I have red flags that start to go up. Um, you know, and after, after talking to them for, and I do their evaluation, you're the best therapist I've ever had in my life. Another red flag. Because you shouldn't be saying that after the first session. It's the equivalent of going on a date with someone and telling them, I, you're it. I know. I love you. I'm going to marry you. You know, it's, it's the same thing. I've never been so, on any of those dates, by the way. Yeah, no, right. Not exactly. <clears throat> be, because there, it's, you know, I'm sure there's people on there say, well, I married, you know, but, but chances are when you're saying those things, you know, that's that love bombing issue. So that same thing applies to, you know, therapy when you go to therapy as well. So, um, if you're the person that's been to 10, 12, 20 different therapists and nothing is working out, chances are you aren't able to identify the fact that it's you. If you've gotten that far in the process, you're not going to be able to identify that anyway. And if somebody says that to you, you're going to get extremely defensive. So um, I don't really have anything to say as far as helping them because it's kind of inherent in the issue of the issue is kind of inherent in, in them, if that makes sense. Interesting. Um, so, yeah. I, so, yeah. It, that's a, a, long, a long road then for that person. Is, is, yeah. Right? I mean, yeah. And chances are it's not the, the therapist isn't the only person they're having interpersonal difficulties with. But yes. Yeah, absolutely. So I know it might be hard if you've just like heard this and be like, oh, man, that sounds like me. That's okay. 
That's okay. Find out what that thing was that was, you know, you've been trying to do or avoid or whatever it is, because that might end up being your problem. And just as you say, a little chunk at a time, you know, you don't have to solve exactly or uh, try to solve, uh, you know, find a find a way to cope with that uh, immediately. Right. Um, so if all right, we've we've gone through all those different things uh, and we've how do we how, getting getting to that starting point? Should we know if we need a therapist? Should we know if we need a, a psychiatrist, a psychotherapist? Like, how are we supposed to go? Okay, this is this is what I this is what I need for my current you know state of mind right now. So, um, typically, so there are psychiatrists that do therapy, right? It tends to be a little bit different of a theoretical orientation. It tends to be a little bit shorter in nature. It's, it's just a, it's a little bit different. So it's not that psychiatrists don't do therapy. Um, it's just very different training, and the length of training is different. For psychiatrists, therapy is shorter training. Um, for psychologists, it's all their training. Um, you know, we get a small part of the medication aspect, enough to know what people are on and what it means and, you know, things like that. But, um Psychiatrists are, are for medication management. So when I refer somebody for medication, um, I refer to a psychiatrist. I know that people see their primary care doctors for psychiatric meds. My recommendation is for the initial evaluation, you go to a psychiatrist because a lot of things can come up where they're giving you Xanax, Ativan for long-standing anxiety, which is not what you want to be on. Um, so I always recommend the evaluation with the psychiatrist. If you need something simple like you know, an SSRI, you know, Zoloft or Wellbutrin and just kind of this stable dose and you're in therapy. I have no problem with my patient getting, um, you know, their refills from their primary care doctor. But if you're on a cocktail of medications or mood stabilizers, or, you know, I see a lot of patients with neurological issues. I'm switching these off and I'm, hold on, I'm charging <laughs> my phone. Damn uh, it. Yes. Can you yes. hear me? Yes, I can. We can, we can okay. hear you just fine. Okay. This so, is, uh, um, yes. Psychologists are um, have doctorates in psychology, so um, you know they do four or five years, and then they do an internship, and then a postdoc, and their training's usually a little bit more specialized um, and a little bit more in depth, and they have a little bit more flexibility with different avenues that they can go in. Um, so there's that. Then you have master's level therapists or family therapists or um, substance abuse counselors, which are master's level, which um, is shorter training than, than a doctorate and tends to be more kind of not necessarily super specialized like a doctorate would be, but kind of general areas like family therapy, substance abuse, um, and it's a little bit more generalized. Um, all all psychologists are therapists, but not all therapists are psychologists. So that's Aha. kind of how I explain it to people. Yeah, that's that. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense, and um, that certainly tripped me up over over time. And because of, yeah. I think a lot of people just going back to we aren't sure one if the therapist is good, two if the diagnosis is right, and so like that might right. steer us in a direction which is going to you know lead us to a lot of not pairing up as well. So like that it. It could be the case, you know, I know we were just saying, hey, you know, more than likely and, it, and still agree with that more than likely it's still going to be you. But make sure you're diagnosed properly as well, like that if you feel like you're yes. going on this path where nothing in the world is helping, go back yes. to your original starting point and be like, OK, 
hold on, do I actually have ADHD and is it, Yeah. you know? Correct. I mean, there's so many times where I see people where they will come in and they'll say they've been diagnosed with, you know, um, depression and we'll treat it and they'll feel better, but they're kind of still a little, you know, kind of blah. Um, and, you know, it gets misdiagnosed for years is dysthymia, which is kind of this mild, chronic depression. And the reason why they don't know they have it is because they've always felt like that. So they have no reference point. Um, the way that, and this is why you want to make sure you go to someone, they say they treat depression, make sure they really treat depression. Because if I treat somebody who has a, ma a major depressive episode, right, and then they're kind of out of that, but I see that they're still kind of have this dichotomous view of the world and th their energy levels are typically lower than they want them to be. There's a discrepancy between what they want to do and how they feel. If that's still persistent, usually you're kind of looking for more of this dysthymic quality, which is called double depression when you have both. And that gets overlooked all the time. And so people go through life kind of feeling like they're walking through mud, you know, and sometimes when they get put on medication, they'll come in and say, I had no idea. I had no idea I could feel like this, you know, or they have social anxiety disorder, but they're being given Ativan because they have panic attacks. Well, they're, they're not panic attacks. They're anxiety episodes because you're freaking out because you're eating in front of kids that you don't want to eat in front of. Right. Um, um, there's a difference. Uh, and I have a question really quick on that because you just said two different things. Uh, and I want to make sure that I'm, I've had panic attacks then and not. What was the other thing that you had said before? Just an anxiety episode? There's, there's anxiety attacks and there's panic attacks. Anxiety attacks are, you know, if you find yourself worrying so intensely that you just you cannot focus on anything it's like looped thinking right it just doesn't stop you nothing you do is helping um you can't concentrate you're de you know you almost feel depressed about it whereas a panic attack is a distinct period usually lasts let's say like five ten minutes where it comes on suddenly you it's more of a physical reaction okay, whereas no. yeah. anxiety attack is more of a kind of worry emotional thing good uh, uh, yeah so like the that's my definition the worrying emotional thing uh, yeah. the uh <laughs> like you <laughs> almost like you're cycling your how am i going to do that how am i going to do that over and over exactly. again, right and it kind of creates it okay yeah no i i wanted to make sure i've definitely those are thank you for acknowledging definitely panic attacks at least for me yeah. so that's that's uh yeah, you'll key, know you'll know if you've had a panic. You'll attack. know. That's what I tell people. The key <laughs> yeah. difference between anxiety attack and a panic attack is I don't even bother saying what the anxiety attack is. If you have a panic attack, trust me, you'll know. Yes. Yeah. You'll know. And and, and sometimes you're not that's and No, you think you're dying. I'm going to tell us I'm going to tell a story about uh my first panic attack that I didn't know was a panic attack. So I am I am sitting in a press box, the Eagles press box, the first time I've actually allowed in there trying to, you know, ham it up with all these national reporters and all the, you know, like this. And all of a sudden, I just feel suddenly sick, like overwhelmingly sick. Uh, it's And it's the first time I'm on air at uh, 94 WIP. It's like, mm -hmm. and, and I'm pumped up. Like, I'm so excited because, like, I finally reached a, a major goal of mine and all this other stuff. Uh, and your third quarter of the game, and I, I just assume I was like, "Oh, I haven't eaten that much," so I go get a pretzel, and then like I almost throw up all over everybody in the middle of the press box. I'm like, "I got to get out of here." Uh, I end up on 
the Orange Line uh, in Philadelphia. If you're familiar with that, it's just the it's the subway system that takes us all the way to you know to to and fro the with all the rest of the drunkards that are watching you know Eagles football and the rest of that. So like. I'm sitting in the middle of a sweaty mess where it smells like armpit and booze on my way to, you know, the radio station. And I'm meeting everyone basically there for the first time. You know, yeah. like the producer, the engineer, it's after an Eagles game. So the entire staff is there and I'm just like sweating profusely. I have no idea what's going on. I feel it's like I'm uh, uh, I don't know if you ever seen like varsity blues. but like I, I feel like I'm, you know, the big fella that's going yeah. through concussion syndromes. I'm like, what is yeah. going on? I was like, did I hit my head? I was like, what? Uh, um, yeah. And like, it just keeps pumping. Now it's an hour before I'm, I'm on the air. Now it's 30 minutes. Now it's 20, 15, 10. I can't get rid of it. Suddenly I just go to the medicine cabinet, assume it's like a migraine or something. It comes on. It goes away two minutes right before I go on the air. I do my thing. I get through it and I go, oh, wow, I got really sick. You know, like, yeah. and, and, and it just passed and it went through and it wasn't, you know, the full on, it feels like a heart attack, but it was that first version of it that I just dismissed immediately and didn't even think it was anything. So that, yeah. that's what it feels to be like in a, in the, in a panic attack. And if you feel like that, you probably have anxiety. So yeah. That's, yeah. And yeah. it's, 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 you break out in a cold sweat. Um, you can have the feeling like you're having a heart attack. Some people don't, some people get violently nauseous, um, the one thing I will say is that if you're having a panic attack, you absolutely will not die. You can't die from a panic attack. Um, you may feel like you're going to pass out. And, you know, it, your body's actually doing the opposite of what it would involve for you to be able to pass out and yeah. die. Yes. <laughs> so so it's not going to happen. Um, and I say that with 100% certainty, you will not die from a panic attack. Um, in the moment, I know you feel like you're going to, but but you won't. So that is a, that's very different than an anxiety attack. Very, very different. Very much so. Uh, and uh, appreciate you explaining the uh, the differences there uh, for sure. And getting back to our uh, discussion on just basically overall, how do we how do we know uh, where a good therapist is, and and how do we know which one is a, is a good fit for us? Um, the accessibility part. There's a ton of misinformation, <laughs> you know, in, in starting out, I think. But uh, uh, there's just nowhere I feel that people can just go and get therapy and it feels like you can walk in and it's nah, not a problem or, or like you're maybe you don't have as much funding to go in and sit down every single week. Like what what should people do in that case? Do you have any recommendations for that? So with the pandemic, you know, obviously access became, well, initially access became easier because we were allowed to do telehealth and there were certain kind of ways you could work around state licensing issues. Um, like I can only see people telehealth through Pennsylvania, but, or in Pennsylvania, but there's, there's things you can do around that. And so, um, there were certain organizations that let you do that. I did not, but other psychologists did. So it gave you avenues, um, to find mental health providers. However, mental health providers during the pandemic became completely overwhelmed. And people's caseloads got filled extremely fast and people couldn't get in. People still can't get in. Um, so again, what I recommend to people is if it's an, if people are filled, if they're, you know, their caseloads filled and they're not accepting new patients, 
keep calling psychologists call you know ask them at what point do you think you'll become open so i had somebody who i refer to all the time for couples therapy because something I don't do. Um, could I do it? Yes. Will I do it? No. <laughs> so I referred, <laughs> no part. Um, so I refer out for that. And so she let me know she's not taking patients, but, and, sh- and she's right, this can change in a heartbeat. So just keep asking. So you're never annoying us if we're not taking new patients and you really want to keep, keep calling and seeing if we have availability, ask if there's a wait list. So I, you know, if, if I'm not taking anybody, I will put people on a wait list. Um, and I also, if I'm not taking someone, I have a list of names that I will give out to people that, you know, who I would refer to. Psychology Today, like I said, is a really good one. Also, if it's if it's a financial thing, so there's kind of two sides to this. Um, Therapy is expensive. And um, it becomes a financial issue. And a lot of insurance companies don't cover a lot or at all. And sometimes they'll say, well, you can only go to these list of providers and, and you'll call them and either they're not taking new patients or they're psychiatrists and they're not doing therapy or um, it's a therapist. They don't really treat what your, what your issue is. Um, so you end up having to go out of pocket, which a lot of people can't do. So in that situation, if you look in your area for universities that have doctoral training programs or master's training programs, Oftentimes, they will have a clinic where it's um, either a sliding scale or, um, you know, kind of lower fees where you don't even include your insurance at all. You paid like a 10, like my, the clinic where I went to grad school, you paid $10 and you were seen by a doctoral student who was trained by, you know, or supervised by somebody else. So that's always an option as well. Um, yeah. And, and for, uh, I'll, uh, I'm going to say something that Dr. Z probably can't say. And then <laughs> I'm, uh, and, and I'm going to agree with a lot of the other stuff that she just said. The clinics themselves are borderline useless. I'm just going to say that just because it's a good starting point. Like I think it, and it's good for everybody. And I'm not saying it, it, it's, they are, you know, completely invalid, but start there to at least search because that that's a good base of nugget information to take with you to other places. What I will say is the sliding scale therapy is where I started my therapy because you know starving artists that whole thing. Try, you, there there aren't a lot of there aren't a lot of places to go and do that. That was actually incredibly helpful to get me to my next few steps. However, mm-hmm. that particular person misdiagnosed me with ADHD as well in my adult <laughs> life. Neuropsych testing on you, right? Either. So, yep, yeah. yep, yep, and all that. So, so, yeah. and there's a few. And listen, I'm going to be real honest with you. And this is, I just feel like, you know, you and I can be honest with each other during this time. I mean, in what you were saying in terms of misinformation, my goodness, you know, like there are times where uh, yeah, this person shouldn't probably have been doing couples therapy, but, mm-hmm. was, but was on that sliding scale and just kind of went in. Mm-hmm. So it's just, it's a, I mean, she she was brutally honest with with what she thought in, uh, and it's it's incredibly personal. Which I I mean, actually, I don't I don't think I want to share. But it, but in terms of like diagnosing me and the person I was with at the time with just some absurd thing out of left field. But I think I know. You know, I'm taking it at her word because this is my first time. I'm like, oh well, then this is our problem. Totally not our problem at all. 
Like that that's when you know, okay, yeah. it's it's tough to understand when you're getting fed terrible information on but if it is just not working for you or for the person you're with if you're doing couples therapy or whatever it is, either they, they're wrong or you're wrong and find out quickly. <laughs> you know, yeah. like I agree. I think it's okay to 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 adjust based on how you feel until like you said it gets to a point where it's like 10 in a row or 15 in a yeah. row then it might be you, but but don't, right. don't, it's hard to say this. Don't trust your first initial <laughs> experience with it. Find out. Even, even yes. the, the most research ever and you feel comfortable and you're finally there and you're like, wait, I, this doesn't feel like the direction I should be going at all. Then question that person that's giving you the yeah, information and, as well. And I mean, I've had people, you know, and I, I told you this before, I've had people, patients that, you know, will be extremely hesitant to start with me because one, they don't want to, and I want to say something about the money aspect of it too. Um, so yes, remind please. me back yes. to that. but, um, you know, they'll say, I don't want to make this financial commitment. Like, I, you know, I'm a little nervous, I'm a little hesitant because I've been, you know, in therapy for two years or this or that. And I just felt like I was spinning my wheels. All, all I was doing was talking or, you know, I would just go in and vent about how my week was. And I just feel like I didn't make any forward movement. And listen, I can't, you know, I, listen, in any field, there's going to be, you know, good and, you know, not so good and mediocre and um, good fits, bad fits. That's across any profession. So, I, you know, I, I, the part that worries me is when somebody, let's say, is misdiagnosed or is, you know, not kind of meshing with their therapist and then they become disheartened and they, they kind of give up as far as therapy goes. Um, yeah, because it's, it's exhausting. It's exhausting finding a therapist. It's exhausting being in therapy. Um, you know, I say to people, if, when we're done our session, if I haven't made you a little bit uncomfortable and if you don't really kind of feel, you know, um, a little, not shaken up, that's the wrong word, but a little like on edge, you know, then, then we, I didn't do my job. Um, you know, so that's important. I, I want to get to the money thing really quick yes. because- um, you know, I've, I've had friends that ask me all the time. So I don't work with kids and I have friends ask me all the time. Do you know any good child psychologists? And I refer them. None of the child psychologists I know take insurance. Um, I don't take insurance. And to be honest, most psychologists I know don't. And I want to explain why um, a lot of psychologists don't. It's not because um, we just want your, <laughs> we just want your money. Um <laughs> Yeah. There's, you know, I was in a group practice for a while and I took insurance, but here, here's, here's why. Number one, to get on insurance panels, the paperwork is absurd. When you're on an insurance panel, the paperwork is absurd. The reimbursement, the length, the problems that happen, the billing issues. Um, but the biggest thing is this was a long time ago. Insurance, uh, psychologists, had, mental health wasn't part of insurance. And so, Eventually we were, and then what happened was reimbursement rates started, you know, dropping. And right. so what you end up with is, you know, having to see double the amount of patients, right, to be able to feed your family. And so it becomes an issue of um, just, you know, I hate saying business-wise, but, it, you know, you have to make a living. And so a lot of times... Um, insurance companies will reimburse psychologists for, you know, I one time they reimbursed me by accident instead of the patient. And um, for an, a one hour evaluation, they reimbursed me $14. Oh my God. 
That's an hour, right? And so, so you know, it, it's kind of like this is another reason why sometimes psychologists don't take insurance. And so it, it's a personal choice that they make. It's going to depend on what area you're working in, what specialty you're working in. Sometimes if you're in an area where there's not a lot of other resources, um, you know, you may need help getting patients or, you know, let's say you're in an area in, from a financial standpoint that nobody is paying out of pocket. Um, that's different. And so being on the downside is that for a psychologist, if you're on, if you're on insurance panels, you get automatic referrals, right? So it kind of, it, you have to kind of pick from the beginning what you want to do. Um, and so it's like I said, it depends where you're practicing. It depends what kind of community you're in. Are you in the middle of, you know, like, you know, I don't know, like in the middle of nowhere. Oh, you wanted um, to go BFE there and you were so polite, didn't you? <laughs> yes. If you're on a, yes. If you're in the middle of nowhere where there's like one road in one town, it's going to be a little different than if you're yeah. in the middle of Manhattan. Um, so that's why. And my, so my point is my friends would, you know, call me back and say like, this is insane. They charge X, Y, and Z and get really angry and frustrated, which I completely understand. But I always like to kind of give the other side of things too, that it's not like this, like, let's be selfish and greedy kind of thing. Yes. I blame the insurance companies. Yeah. It's, it, well, I mean, we can, that's a, there's a lot of, lot of that I think going around too. And yeah, I didn't realize that that's, man. Uh, and is that, is that mainly because like insurance companies don't, based on like kind of what we were talking about last week, they just don't recognize the mental health aspect as that preventative copay that, you know, you would do for anything else. Definitely. If it was physical? It's getting a little bit better because they'll have like wellness you know, offices will have, your employers will have like wellness um, benefits and things like that. Or um, sometimes companies will have certain psychologists that they refer to an EAP program. So it's getting better. Um, but for, for whatever reason, mental health, it, you know, it could be because of that it's just the reimbursement rates are, are you know, there's some insurances where they're not bad, but a lot of them are. And insurance companies are just the problem is they end up with this revolving door of crisis where people are going in inpatient, coming back out. They can't find therapy. They can't get in and then they go back, you know, so it's, it's been an issue. And this last year, um, we're going to see a huge mental health crisis. Um, I said it from the very beginning between psychologists having to hear a lot of horrible things over the last year and yeah. being overwhelmed and frontline workers and just, it's a lot. And so there's going to, be a mental health crisis, and I think insurance companies really need to take that into consideration, or it's going to be messy. How how can well because I know they're not. How can we try to uh, be you know? I mean, aware of it's one thing. So how do we how do we try to how do we manage that? How do you feel like you can manage that? And and if there's going to be a run on therapist on on. Well, on it's psychotherapists on every every kind of need on it. Then what what should we do in your opinion right now? If you were in charge of the whole thing, what what would you do? Uh, well, if I was in, <laughs> not that you would want to be, <laughs> but, but I don't, I don't yeah. know. Um, I, I honestly, John, I don't have a good answer for that. Okay. I I really don't. I honestly don't know. Um, I don't know. I, I I don't have a good answer for that. I think that. Um, well, I, I only I only ask because my my next question was like, is there, I, and I'm talking to people that don't even feel like they have the twenty dollars to spend a month yeah. a week for for whatever. Is there yeah. anything right now yeah. in terms of 
Yes, there is. Self-help, so et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. Yeah. So there is. there are therapy clinics that will take people pro bono, meaning they don't have to pay. There, there absolutely is. You just have to find them. Um, they're usually affiliated with um, like a, a clinic or a hospital um, or sometimes a university. Like I said, it's, it's free. So you have to kind of look for them, but they are there. There's just maybe a waiting list, but they are there. The other thing, and this was on, I think it was on the Today Show a couple weeks ago, TikTok. And again, I, I'm saying this very cautiously. Instagram, TikTok, Facebook, social media in general have a lot of amazing mental health resources for free. Such as yourself. Um, such as myself. Um, but I caution people, again, just like in real world, off of social media, it's really important that you know who you're getting advice from. And there's a difference between sharing your story with other people and them using your information in a supportive manner versus going to a mental health professional's page and getting kind of basic general information that you can apply to yourself. So there is that. And I think it's been super helpful during the pandemic. I think that, um, you know, the stories that I do, right. Or, um, you know, some of my colleagues, the things that they post are super, super helpful. Uh, so that's free, right. And, and, and any one of those you want to shout out by the way, cause if there's, yeah, I, I, who, anybody? Oh gosh, I don't even, um, you're putting me on the spot. I'm so sorry. Uh, you know, and, and I'm sure if the you know what I'm going to do. Actually, yeah. I'm going to I will I I will post um, on my Instagram in my stories. I will post a couple kind of stories that have all the psychologists and mental health providers that I follow that I think are um, trustworthy, know what they're doing, um, you know, know their stuff, and that you know if you went there for mental health um, advice you know, I'd feel comfortable with that. Awesome. So I'm happy. That. And then we should, uh, we should invite them on to some of these chats too, because that's a, yeah, let's, I, let's, I would love to plant as They're many good. seeds as we can. Yeah. I love They're that. Good. Idea. Um, I, uh, I, I think the, that's yeah, very important to note uh, in terms of, uh, and especially what, like you're saying with, you know, I, I tend to find myself after, especially in the last like six months, of uh, you seeing your reels and your TikToks and things like that, of of some of the others that you do have on there that I know you've you know you comment with, it's 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 kind of awesome how you know I know that social media is in absolute cesspool. It is. Uh, it takes breaks from it. it uh, but but if you corner it enough and you find this li- these little spots and just you know create accounts specifically for your mental health. Um, yeah. there is a lot of resources for that. I have done that. I've, you know, there's a ton of ghost accounts that I use just for that. So I don't get distracted by, you know, Hey, this friend's live or that person's live or check <laughs> out this new photo or whatever. I think that's a big part of it. And, uh, that's really smart. uh, the second, the yeah. second part of that too, is making sure that when you're using social media specifically for mental health, turn off all of your notifications and i don't mean yeah. some i mean just turn them all off except for your phone and your text and that's it like just cue those things in for when dr z is live i'll get a notification for that because i want to tune in and see what kind of information is there you know and start that way build yourself back up when you feel a little more comfortable and be like okay i can i can turn twitter notifications back on i can do this i can do that and when they're when it feels like it's too much again 
turn turn it back off. That is something I have to do on the regular because my job <laughs> revolves around that quick eight second news update, and you got to be yes. be able to jump on it in the meantime. You got to sit through Bob in, in in Kalamazoo calling you an asshole for you know the next twenty four hours or whatever it is. So yes, correct. But um, yeah, that that I would to be honest with you, I would I would start there. Because, I would too. because the information yeah. is so much better. Start yeah. with Dr. Z and her, her group of awesomeness. Ooh, let's 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 hold on to that. Uh, group of awesomeness. Th- there you go. They are. They are. My Dr. <laughs> Jen, Dr. Rachel, my yes, they are my they're Dr. Ann, my they are my crew. So yeah, I have I, I do actually, you know, I'm thinking about it now. I do have really good people that I f- would feel comfortable um, you know, le- having people visit their page, but you bring up such a good point that, yeah, I absolutely would start there. If you are sure that you are going to sites that are, um, you know, again, like you said, do do your recommendations the same way for a therapist, the same way you would do it. Like, is this person I'm seeing full of crap? Yeah. Correct. Yeah. And, and, you know, and, and again, I'm a big believer and, you know, you want to make sure that you, you go to somebody who knows what they don't know. It's so important. And the example I give a lot is, you know, um, so I see a lot of um, women mostly who are in relationships with, um, you know, partners who are extremely toxic or have narcissistic traits. They don't call it narcissistic personality disorder anymore, but we'll just say that just for the sake of saying okay. it. Okay, I'm going to so, come back to that in another episode. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, um you know, if, if you go to couples therapy, you know, or you're in therapy by yourself and your therapist isn't aware of the extremely subtle nuances of narcissism, which are very easily glossed over if you don't know what to look for. And it's not your fault. It's, it's just, it's not your area. Um, you know, which I'm sure like eating disorders, there's things I wouldn't catch, which is why I don't treat it. So, it can be really traumatizing sometimes to patients, particularly in that situation, feeling kind of re-victimized, feeling like they're not being heard, they're not being believed, saying, well, he sounds really charming. He sounds like he's sincere this time. You know, maybe you guys should try to work it out. That can be really, really damaging. So, um, you know, that's why I say it's really important that as a, as a psychologist, you, you know what you don't know. Um, you know, just because you want to, give your patients the best options that, that you can. Yeah. And I think that's a, a probably a number two, like bullet point on, on this whole conversation. If, if, if a therapist is constantly trying to give you answers for all of your questions and you don't hear, and I don't know, that's a, that's a sign, you know, like, you you have to have we don't know people don't know everything it's impossible right. you know unless right. you unless this person's the guru of whatever they're in and they're 80 years old and they've seen it all and they can you know i i, I that's a I mean, great thing that i don't think it's talked about enough if you don't hear no, it, you don't know, I, it's a it's a warning sign i use it for medical you know for for medical professionals you know i if if so i work with a lot of patients who have epilepsy could a neurologist who specializes in Parkinson's disease treat somebody with epilepsy? Sure. But the nuances of epilepsy, the, the, the nuances of the dosages and the medications and the different types of seizures, and I mean, you know, it, it, it doesn't make sense, right? So you want to make sure that you go to a specialist. Psychology is no different. Psychiatric care is no different. 
Now, that being said, if you can't find somebody to get into and somebody is available and you have major depression, you go, you know, you, you get in. If you can't find someone, you get in to get in to have somebody kind of looking out for you and your best interests. Um, but generally speaking, you, you really have to make sure you find someone who specializes in what you're going for. Awesome. That is, uh, uh, yeah, again, just fantastic information uh, every Sunday. And uh, I know that this is something we can continue to look forward to. Also, before we go, uh, we, this is, you know, just a little a little house cleaning and things like that. We want to hear from you, especially in the reviews. So if you're watching live, the, as soon as we're done, uh, if you're not subscribed to the podcast, which, you know, obviously comes out uh, tomorrow, uh, the day after you're watching this and seeing this and all this, make sure you get those reviews up uh, and start asking questions in the reviews. So five stars or one star that's uh i i think that's that's how it should no all five stars for dr z all five <laughs> stars that's a, a, a leave five stars and leave anything there and and we will feature it on the show 100 percent because it's the easiest way to communicate with everybody yeah. everybody's got different social platforms we're not cool enough to have a dedicated text line at least yet uh we will work on that once we get there you know maybe we can have some some inner workings as well um we just because you know we know not everyone is on Instagram. We know not everyone can join us on Instagram Live and things like that. And for all of you watching, if there's something like, ooh, that was a really good talking point, I wanted to make sure you get, the, get this question in, that's the way to do it, wherever you're listening. But, you know, through we're going to take all the reviews on the on uh, Apple Podcasts, Apple Music. So uh, definitely for everyone listening through there, uh, send your questions and we will uh, we will answer them. I uh, I actually don't have any Great uh, mailbag questions for you tonight, uh, Dr. Z, because we went through a lot of them uh, during the show. But uh, what I do want to say is is uh, I, I wonder if there is at any point in time when, uh, during this search is like is uh, is there any time that you should feel like a therapist or anybody is doing harm? Like to do, do you, is there a recognition of like this person's actually shouldn't is is not qualified to be talking is there any like warning signs or anything like that when when you're going through this process like this person absolutely has no idea what they're talking about if it's if it's your first time in therapy you may not be that aware right. um you know if you're talking to your friends about it or your family members about your experience in therapy and they've been in therapy before and they have experience with it and they say oh wait that doesn't are you sure about that? That doesn't sound right to me. Um, you know, then then that's definitely something that, you know, I would use as a reference point. Um, obviously, if, you know, you're in session and, you know, the therapist is, you know, texting on their phone, they're not looking up at you. They seem, you know, listen, everybody has a bad day, obviously, sure. you know, but they seem, you know, just disinterested. They, they just kind of... Um, you know, again, it's very difficult because I would say if you feel that you're kind of being judged, but then again, that could be something with you and not them and your yeah. misperception of people judging you. It could be a social anxiety disorder thing. So, you know, it, it it really comes down to is it a good fit? Because the truth is, is that even if worst case scenario, let's say they have zero idea what they're doing, right? Even if you have, in again, worst case, if you have a good relationship with them and you at least have the ability to quote vent and, you know, maybe you're not doing specific behavioral strategies for X, Y, and Z, but 
you have somebody to connect to, you have somebody who is kind of looking out for your best interest, monitoring your symptoms, making sure you're safe, and you have that connection, you know, social support we know is is the number one predictor of of, of progress. So if worst case it's social support, fine. You know? Well, then I've got a free idea for for your awesome group. I think that just that just occurred to me. If well, this it depends on if this next question goes well. All, am I as a patient allowed to talk to that therapist and agree? Can I record this session? Is the patient ever allowed to record their session with their therapist? So, it, it, yes, even, even if it, they like, got permission, et cetera. Yeah, it depends. There's different state laws and different ethics codes for different states, so. Um, it's going to vary. I've never actually had anybody ask me that. And the only time I've ever done anything like that is if I'm doing some sort of like mindfulness exercise or, or guided meditation or something like that, I can record it for them and give it to them. But if somebody asked me to record it, I, I, I've never had that question. Uh, I don't know how much of a fan I would be of that just because you know, it's not HIPAA compliant and God forbid right. somebody gets the phone. Um, Certainly. You know, you don't, you don't want that. So I, I would maybe just ask them, you know, I could, they could take notes. I could give them notes, you know, or, you know, bullet points, headers, things like that, a review after each session. Sometimes I give people coping cards where it has, it's like a, you know, a big index card and it'll have, well, this is, I guess was before you could write it in your notes section, but you know, <laughs> Wow. But I, wow. But I would, <laughs> I would give coping cards where they could just like put them in their pocket or, you know, and it was kind of the highlights of the session of things that they wanted to remember, but not personal information. I think that's dangerous to kind of record it. And I, I agree with you after, you know, hearing, hearing that answer, but maybe your awesome group should just have uh, continue to, to fill in more awesome people. Like is if there are, Obviously, like I trust, I trust Doctor Z with everything, you know, in 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 terms of uh, in her field. So I want to know who she thinks is right. is the best of the best. And you guys just keep creating a list that's, you know, is this person good enough? Is is there a way to? Is there anyone in your community that checks everybody besides? I know the health board does that stuff, but is there a group of other therapists and psychologists be like, ah, we're not so sure about this person. You know, is there that type of board that exists? So you have to pass this. You, so you have to pass a national board. It's a test, right? Um, and then you have to pass your state boards. Um, and state boards are different for each state. I think Jersey used to be an oral exam. They had a case that you had to present. I don't think it's an oral exam anymore. I think it's written. Pennsylvania state exam was just multiple choice of really just like tiny details of like, you know, how, what's the fee for penalized for this and what, it, you know, that kind of thing. And how many years before you have to throw out your records. And, um, but you know, if somebody is acting, if a therapist is acting unethical or there's a complaint against them, you would call the psychology state board, um, you know, for my case, state, state board of psychology in Pennsylvania. And you call, you make a complaint. Um, they'll probably, they contact you. Um, I don't really know how the process goes thankfully um but you know (laughs) but you know if you one of the things that you do is when you go to a a therapist if you go on your state's board of psychology or i don't know what it would be for for masters but if you go on your state board of psychology you can pull up the therapist and you can look at their license and see if it's active see if there's been any issues see if it's 
um, been inactive for a while, if it's been revoked. So you do have access to that. And you always have the State Board of Professions to make complaints to. But as far they're kind of the governing governing body, let's say. But okay. as far as someone checking in to make sure they're doing the job, uh, not not really. It's okay. more kind of the other way around. Well, that's something I'd like to work on together as a long term project. Maybe we can just kind of have this like, <laughs> big list of people and just we'll knock it out state by state and when i'm an old man we'll have it all covered for us you know like i think that'll be that'll be the uh the and we'll give coping cards yeah coping cards for everybody yeah coping cards and these people don't stink at their jobs Uh, yeah that's that that'd be a good list um well uh dr z i appreciate it as always uh for being live for us and uh for giving us as much uh information as possible and um just uh, something that uh we can we can kind of take with us to start our week every day. I'm I'm so we, and the funny thing is we were just like yeah hey, yeah maybe we'll do this every other Sunday and the, we do our first one like no no we got to do this every week this is good. There's too many yeah, questions. Yeah. There's too many too many things. So again, go subscribe uh, uh, to wherever you listen to your podcast. Leave a leave leave us five stars and a review in uh, and your Apple Podcasts and we will get to uh, as many questions as possible through there. Um, Doctor Z, anything that everybody needs to be aware of. This week coming up with you uh, at drjamiezuckerman.com. Uh, drjamiezuckerman.com. There you go. Yep. No, nothing nothing um, specific. I'm Just trying enjoy, to enjoy your Memorial Day weekend a, and don't go, don't go too nuts. Yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I don't have anything new to report. Just have a great, safe, fun weekend. Uh, yes, and, uh, you know, now that you know, things are, everyone's getting vaccinated, call an Uber. Just be safe. It's okay now. Get somebody. Get somebody to DD. You know, whatever it is, or just stay home. It's been. It's weirdly cold in Philadelphia. So like, maybe, yeah, yeah. Uh, bonfire. Start a bonfire. Drink at the house. You don't have to go anywhere. It's great. Uh, and uh, you have a chance of your uncle, you know, uh, doing something stupid with fireworks at the same time. So, um, uh, and especially thank you to everyone uh, for listening to the podcast. And uh, I want to start doing some maybe. Maybe some extra little nuggets on there on uh, on my drive home, kind of reflection on what we talked about, and maybe just add some little notes on. Maybe Doctor Z's gonna can I can convince her to do the same uh, as the weeks go by. And uh, we appreciate you tuning in. That'll do it for us for Doctor Z. I'm John Barchard from Last Out Media. If you ever need uh, you know resources for your podcast, if you're a streamer, if you are somebody that is trying to excel and get your business out there and a little more heard. Stop spending advertising dollars on radio and television, all that other stuff. You're the TV now. You're the radio now. Make your business boom. You know, you're NBC. You're the whole radio station. And if you want to learn uh, more about that, go to lastoutmedia.com or just hit me up in the DMs as well. Dr. Z, we'll see you next week. Thank you so much. Thank you. And Thank you. Of course. And maybe we can see a couple of phone uh, phones fall next week as well. It'll be Maybe it'll be a good omen. <laughs> As we're going around there. That's why you use ear pods instead of something connected to the phone. <laughs> we'll see you, everybody. It's uh, have a good weekend. Bye. Uh, bye bye, everybody. <laughs>
Um, as you might have noticed, I was really hesitant to say what that therapist had said to me and my girlfriend at the time. Uh, and I feel a little more comfortable now that it's just, you know, me shooting my stuff. Um, but, you know, in going to couples therapy, and again, it was my first time doing it, and in the context of why I was going to couples therapy with my girlfriend at the time is because we were going through some very traumatic personal things that, you know, not between us, but things that have affected our lives. And we were trying to figure out what was the best path. Um, and in context, this person that I was dating is 12 years older than, than me. And we had met when I was 28 and, you know, she was uh, 40. So that was where we kind of started in our relationship. So um, this therapist basically outright told us, you know, we, this had been, you know, a lot of sessions that now we're getting into the nitty gritty of why we were both there. And she just basically outright told us that we're bad at sex and intimacy and stuff like that. And that's what our problem is, <laughs> you know, and wasn't anywhere near the case, nowhere near the case of that. But, you know, we both go around thinking, oh, we're just terrible at sex. And like, why even bother at that point? You know, it was essentially our mindset and, and, and any chance of that relationship continuing on was not good. And by the way, the, the relationship shouldn't have continued on at all. You know, like if we're at that point and there's all these other different things happening, that's something that you have to keep recognizing within yourself, too. That's probably my biggest message out of this 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 session is um, the reason why you should constantly question, you know, not only your therapist, because I think we went through that, but you have got to question yourself constantly, constantly. Are you really having these episodes? Does, does this mental health thing really align with what you're feeling and doing? And do you believe your own bullshit, essentially? You know, are you who you say you are or are there things about you that you aren't completely honest with people that in turn you're really not honest with yourself about? So those are things that I think trip myself and other people that I talk to up all the time, especially with anxiety, because that's something I really wanted to get into in with Dr. Z is because, you know, it just forces you into this weird little lie that you tell yourself or others and then it's a continuation of that little lie forever and then suddenly you just end up believing it because you've said it so many times you know that's one part of it and that's one of the reasons why you got to have conversations with yourself and like do i really feel this way do i really want to do this thing um over and over again that's one of the things that i think has helped me you know, since since I was a teenager and not understanding what that would eventually do to your psyche and then fall into your adult life and ugh, trying to untangle those wires <laughs> a, a lot. So um, just uh, just some little notes from me to you and I hope that helps. And again, my DMs are always open if you need a little more guidance on, on that or podcasting or really anything. I like to, you know, try and help as many people as we possibly can.